Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. All right, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets, everybody. Carol Master, along with Corey Johnson here in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. So big news uh, out of the nation's capital, uh, the House passing uh, an Obamacare repeal. So we're going to be talking about uh, that in just a moment. We have a perfect guest. The Which CEO at Mount Sinai. And I should say, just from the political front, uh, Bloomberg also reporting that the Senate's going to go ahead and write its own bill, not try to amend the bill that came from the House. They're going to go ahead and start from scratch and write their own bill. So that'll be fun. There's a long way for this thing to go. All right, let's get uh, back to the markets and your top business stories on this Thursday. Once again, here is Charlie Pell. All right, thank you very much, Carol Massa. Thank you, Corey. Jobs report tomorrow morning, one focus for Wall Street, but also crude oil. West Texas Intermediate slumping 4.9% right now. Brent crude down 4.8%. Stephen Shork is president of the Shork Group. The only thing that OPEC has succeeded in is raising the cost for its Dubai-linked crude, for its crude oils priced off of the marker in the Middle East, and they've raised the cost of that crude oil relative to the crude oil that is priced off of the North American market, the NYMEX, and the North Sea market, ice Brent. And again, Brent is at 48.36, West Texas Intermediate at 45.49. Gold down 20.90 the ounce, down 1.7%. The tenure down 10.30 seconds at yield 2.35%. A turnaround for the S&P NASDAQ. They are both higher, barely, uh, both up by less than a point. The Dow slumping 19, down one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you so much. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets, and this is Bloomberg. Ain't that the truth? With the House voting to uh, repeal Obamacare uh, moments ago, uh, what would over look like for the Affordable Health Care Act? Uh, Dr. Kenneth Davis, who is right now, is the CEO of the Mount Sinai Health System. Uh, and, and Dr. Davis, I want to talk to you about uh, what this means uh, uh, for you now. What we understand is that the bill, of course, goes to the Senate right now, and the Senate wants to start over and stretch from scratch and write a new bill. But w- what are your concerns about what might go away with the Affordable Care Act, and what do you want to see go away? Well, You know, what we're going to be seeing is a lot of people who are not going to have coverage now who previously did have coverage. They still come to our hospitals, and when they do, by law, we have to take care of them, whether they can pay or not. And um, that's just going to increase because, as the CBO indicated, 24 million people are likely to lose their coverage over the next few years, some quite acutely. Uh, And a lot of those people now we know are going to be people with pre-existing conditions because that risk pool is not going to be there, adequate to make premiums affordable there was a for a fix. lot of the people. Yeah, there was a fix or a proposed fix by uh, uh, Fred Upton uh, out of Michigan mm-hmm. who suggested that uh, uh, there be like an $8 billion pool created to help pay for people with pre-existing conditions who had needed some help in certain places. Right. Um, there have been a number of estimates by independent groups as well as politically uh, aligned groups about how big a risk pool has to be. And um, in any year, uh, we're talking about the need for between uh, $15 billion and uh, $30 billion in a risk pool. Um, this bill 
in total is going to give you maybe $13, $14 billion a year. So per year, uh, for the next 10 years, um, there have been 35 states who've tried risk pools. 31 of them have failed because they've been underfunded. And that doesn't count really those people who then look at those premiums and say, gee, I can't afford that. Dr. Davis, I think we've all been riveted this week by Jimmy Kimmel talking about his son who was born um, with heart problems. And as he came mm-hmm. out and said, hey, listen, lucky for, not lucky for me, terrible to see, you know, your young, just <laughs> newborn child go through this, but that he had the means to make sure that his son got everything that he needs and will down the road because he will need more surgeries. That's Is that not going to be the case for people who don't well, have the means going forward? That's right. That's a kid with pre-existing conditions. And here's what we have to understand. Everybody eventually, for the most part, gets a pre-existing condition. Right. None yeah. of us are immortal. Yeah. You didn't have it, have, now you got it, it's existing. Right. We all have expiration dates. And generally, we have chronic conditions that go along with that. Um, the consequence is that when those conditions arise, we still want insurance. And when we apply for that insurance, what we're going to find out is, oh, my God, it's a lot more expensive than it used to be. What a surprise. So, and the risk pools are going to make it somewhat less expensive, but it's still not going to be what Obamacare mandated, which was it had to be at commercial rates. Your pre-existing condition wasn't going to right. cost you more money than if it didn't have a pre-existing condition. So I want to be smart here, right, as we kind of figure this out. And, and you know, I think everybody agreed – First time out, maybe it wasn't going to be perfect, but we had to do something, and let's try and make it even better. But I guess when I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying is take diabetes. What percentage, right? Is it 50% of our population here in the United States has diabetes or will come down with diabetes? Are you it's, saying that's a very growing number. So if somebody yeah, has di- pre-existing conditions. That's a pre-existing condition. So if you work somewhere, you lose your job or whatever, and you don't have health care, health insurance anymore, and you go to try and buy it, you could what? Be refused or it's going to be astronomical? No, you won't cost. be refused. But it'll just, co- refused. but it'll cost a lot. It'll be so costly that you'll gasp. And what you might say is, gee, I really can't afford that. Or you might say, well, what can yeah. I afford? And you look at the list of what's right. affordable. Dr. Davis. And you're going to get some yeah, other policy. What? Oh, forgive me. No, we're just monitoring some of the stuff out of Washington. We may need to tear away a little bit to listen to um, House members uh, talk about uh, the passage. But in the meantime, let's let's stay with you. What would have been the logical next step in health care? You mean in, if we had decided to fix yeah. instead of just repeal? repeal. I think what we have to do is take a step back and say, for the last 50, 60 years, beginning with the Great Society and Medicare, we have slowly but inexorably increased the availability of health care to our population. While we were doing that, the cost of health care kept going up, 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 and up. And some other, and other people appropriately said, wait a minute, how are we going to afford this? So what we haven't been able to reconcile is how do we both increase availability at the same time we make the healthcare system more affordable. That means we need to write legislation that gets us away from fee-for-service medicine and encourages value, population management, care management, and prevention. Wellness. That's keep keep we patients well, and that's how we bring down costs? Care more efficient. Don't do extra tests that we may not need. Encourage efficiency. Align the doctor, the patient, and the payer all with the same incentives. We have lost sight of 
that's the basic work that we have to do. And instead, we've been focused on a lot of ideology and a lot of politics. And in doing that, I think we've lost sight of some of the damage that can be done. Well, and this is what happens perhaps when you draft a, a bill uh, without even consulting with healthcare experts. Um, but this is, as we pointed out, this is still politics, maybe more than anything else. Hey, we're really glad to have you, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Davis, Davis, Dr. Kenneth Davis, the CEO of Mount Sinai Health Systems. You listen to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio with Corey Johnson and Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg. This is Nathan Hager right now with a look at world of national news headlines. He's in our D.C. Bureau uh, in 991 Studios in our nation's capital. Now, uh, with the latest on the red headline that crossed your Bloomberg moments ago, House passes Republican bill to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they did it with very little margin for error. The final vote, 217 to 213. Republicans, of course, needed 216 to send the bill to the Senate. This really did come down to a hair uh, of a vote, so to speak. But I spoke with uh, a political Republican strategist who uh, frequently works with the White House who told me that, point blank, this was supposed to be the easy part. Bloomberg Chief Washington Correspondent Kevin Cirilli on Capitol Hill. Indeed, some Senate Republicans are already coming out saying they're going to write their own replacement for the Affordable Care Act rather than simply taking up the House bill. But with this bill passed now, President Trump plans to hold a news conference at the White House Rose Garden. The president's already had one of those today to sign a new executive order. This executive order directs the IRS not to unfairly target churches and religious organizations for political speech. No one should be censoring sermons or targeting pastors. This order goes after the IRS's Johnson Amendment, which prevents tax-exempt nonprofits from endorsing or opposing political candidates. The ACLU says it'll see the president in court over this order. On the other side of the Capitol, the Senate voted 79 to 18 to approve that $1.1 trillion spending bill to fund the government for the rest of this fiscal year. The bill, of course, ditches many of the president's top priorities, including border wall funding, but the president is expected to sign it. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg.